happen if you would. We're going to begin in Hebrews chapter number 11 tonight is where we're going to begin. We will have a time of prayer at the end tonight and then afterward we will have a business meeting tonight. So we'll give some time in between there for folks to get settled. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 28. The Bible says, Through faith, he, speaking of Moses, through faith, he kept the pasto, excuse me, Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest, there's that word, fear that it might happen, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them lest he that should touch the firstborn should touch them. Now let's look at Exodus chapter number 11 if we could. I'm just going to read all of this. Our text is primarily going to be Exodus chapter number 12 tonight. Exodus 11, the Bible says, The Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. We mentioned that on Sunday. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. By the way, why why do you think he's very great in Egypt? Okay, but in the context here, all those are true, but in the context we have come through how many plagues thus far? We've come through nine. The Bible says here in Exodus 11 there will be one more. And Moses, as Steve said, has been the vessel, hasn't been his power, it's been God's power, but he has been the vessel through which the Egyptians have seen all of these plagues come. And so you're going to associate these plagues with who? You're going to associate them with Moses. You're going to associate Moses with power. You're going to associate Moses with devastation. You're going to have the idea, at least the the Egyptians, they're going to have the idea, no more, right? No more, we've had enough. And the Bible says here that, Moses was very great in the land, verse 4, and Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the first, excuse me, firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall, excuse me, shall not a dog move his tongue, against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out. And all the people that follow thee, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Chapter 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, 
This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, shall meddle of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Not eat of it raw, nor sodden it all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. That which remaineth of it until the morning you shall burn with fire, and thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Stay here if you will, but let me read Exodus, excuse me, Hebrews eleven twenty eight one more time. Through faith. He's already gone nine times, right? Pharaoh hasn't capitulated yet. Through faith, he kept the Passover. By the way, through faith, the nation of Israel kept the Passover. Through faith, he kept the Passover. And the sprinkling of blood. They took the hyssop, and they put it down in that blood, and they put it on the top of the door and on both sides of the door. And the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And for the next few moments, I want to speak to you on this subject. When the untouchables became untouchable. When the untouchables became untouchable. In Egyptian society, the Israelites were the untouchables. They were the slaves. But dear friend, let me remind us tonight, in God's society and in God's economy, every single one of us are sinners and were sinners, and every single one of us were and are the untouchables. Every single one of us. The Bible says our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But when the blood was applied, the untouchables become the untouchable. Look here in Exodus chapter 12, and I'm going to tell you what, that ought to mean something to you tonight. We'll say it a little bit more when we get to the end of the message tonight. Listen, dear friend, don't you ever get over your salvation. Don't don't you ever get tired of your salvation tonight. Don't you ever get tired of telling someone when you got saved. 
You may get tired of hearing it, but I don't ever get tired in messages of talking about when the Lord Jesus Christ saved me when I was nine years old. Because I had a four-year gap there where I could have died and gone to hell. Because at five years old, I knew I needed to be saved. And at five years old, I walked an aisle. But at five years old, I didn't call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. And for four years, everybody else thought I was saved. I got baptized a couple weeks after that night. Everybody thought I was saved. Everybody thought I was on my way to heaven. My mom and dad thought that. The people in our church thought that. But for four years... I had a gap of time where, listen, if I had died, if something had happened, I would have gone straight to hell. I don't ever get over the fact that on a Monday in a chapel service, God led a preacher, a man of God, to preach on the rapture. I'm not saying that message was just for me because I don't believe it was, but it was for me. He preached a message and touched my heart and, and stirred my heart and the Holy Spirit convicted my heart and said, look, you know, everybody else doesn't know, but you know that you're not saved. And Timmy, if you die tonight, you're going to die and go to hell. Don't ever get over that. Don't ever, give, excuse me, ever get over the fact that the blood, the pure, precious, perfect blood of the Lord Jesus Christ hasn't just covered your sins. Like the blood of the bulls and the goats in the Old Testament. It just covered their sins until the next year, until the Day of Atonement. It hasn't just covered your sins. It has absolutely washed them away. Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins. It has taken them away to the point where an untouchable now is absolutely untouchable. The devil can't touch me. Death can't touch me. Hell can't touch me. Because I am covered with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're in here tonight and you know Christ, you are covered by the blood of Christ. And an untouchable at that moment when you called upon the Lord Jesus Christ became one that nobody could ever touch when it comes to the matter of your eternal destination. Let me give you three truths tonight. We'll develop these a little bit. I want us to see three words tonight. They all begin with the letter P. I want us to see first of all the plan. The plan Take your Bibles, if you would, and go to the New Testament to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 1. I want us to see the plan. By the way, this was an eternal plan. This was a divine plan. 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. And here's the plan tonight. Look here, if you would. We'll begin reading in verse number 18. 1 Peter 1 and verse number 18. The plan. The Bible says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The plan, here's the plan, the lamb would be slain, the blood would be sprinkled, and the untouchables would be saved. That's the plan. And by the way, that was the plan from the foundation of the world, the Bible says. In verse number 19, or excuse me, verse number 20, it says, Who, speaking of Jesus Christ, verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Look, that, that plan what was, was set before the foundation of the world. Now, he's saying here, look, Jesus Christ has just come in recent times and in recent years. He has been manifest in these last times for you. Who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. 
seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Notice this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof faileth, excuse me, falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Number one, we see the plan. The plan was that the lamb would be slain. The plan was that the blood would be sprinkled. The plan was that the untouchables would be saved. Before we go back to Exodus chapter 11, on our way back, let's stop if we could. Turn to Ephesians chapter number 2 if you would. Ephesians chapter number 2. The plan, the lamb would be slain, the blood would be sprinkled. By the way, while you're turning to Ephesians 2, let me go back to Hebrews if I could. Hebrews chapter 9, we, we've looked at this recently, but in Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 16, the Bible says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission." Verse 23 in Hebrews 9, it said, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, better than the blood of bulls and goats. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, not into the tabernacle on earth, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once, in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The lamb would be slain, the blood would be sprinkled. And just as those priests would go in every year and sprinkle the blood of bulls and goats on the mercy seat to cover the sins of the people, Jesus Christ, after He died on the cross of Calvary, went to the real tabernacle in heaven and took His blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, but His blood, and took it back to heaven and sprinkled it on the mercy seat for every single one of us tonight. That was the plan. The lamb would be slain. The blood would be sprinkled. So that the untouchables, that's us, could be saved. That's every single one of us tonight. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not an untouchable. I live in a nice house. I live in the United States of America. I don't live in a third world country. I don't have uh, leprosy where people cry unclean. I'm not an untouchable. We, I sleep every night in a nice bed. I get a shower every morning. I'm not an untouchable. Spiritually, every single one of us were untouchables. But Moses, he said, I don't want the death angel to touch the nation of Israel. Lest the same one that had destroyed and had touched the Egyptians would touch and destroy the nation of Israel. 
And Jesus Christ shed that blood on the cross of Calvary and He went and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. And all we have to do is apply it to the post of our lives. And He passes over. That's the picture of the Passover. That the death angel would pass over the homes that had the blood that that was on the doorpost. Number one, the plan. Number two, the Passover. I had you turn to Ephesians 2, but let's head back to Exodus chapter 12. Could we do that? Exodus chapter number 12. Number one, the plan. Number two, the Passover. Passover here in Exodus chapter number 12 was simply a picture of that pure and that perfect Passover that would one day come. You're turning back to Exodus chapter 12. Let me read 1 Corinthians chapter 5 for us tonight. Verse number 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7. The Bible says, purge out. Now, now 1 Corinthians 5 is the chapter where we're dealing with the individual in the church at Corinth who has committed a heinous sin with another person in his family. Okay, Paul's dealing with this. And in the midst of that chapter, in verse number 7, he says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Now we know that, that the Passover, there was the, the, the unleavened bread, and there was a feast that went in with all of that. It wasn't just... The, the, the killing of the lamb and the blood. There was a feast that went into that. And the Apostle Paul is saying, look, get rid of the leaven. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump. Hey, church in Corinth, get rid of the leaven. Get rid of the sin in the church. Because Jesus Christ, your Passover, who doesn't want any leaven, in His church, Paul said, is sacrificed for us. Now, I know we live in a day where we don't hear a whole lot about church discipline, but I'm going to tell you what, I think we ought to do more of it. I think we ought to do more of it. It, it would help us. Let me ask you, and this is just a little side note here. In Acts chapter number 5, what happened with the church when Ananias and Sapphira were struck dead by the Holy Spirit? Okay, there was fear, absolutely. The Bible says in Acts 5 that fear fell upon the people. Then what happened after that? The church grew. The church grew. Why? Because they got sin out of the church. You say, well, Pastor, that, 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 that's pretty harsh. Look, the Holy Spirit did it. You say, why, why, why have you lied against the Holy Spirit? I had a gentleman send me a message yesterday and he asked me, he said, I want you to pray for my pastor. I've got two deacons in the church that are trying to undermine our pastor. He hasn't done anything wrong and he told me what the reasoning was and, and these two deacons are upset because the pastor... Now, I understand every church has a constitution. We ought to abide by that constitution and maybe this pastor went aside the Constitution. I get all that. That's why they probably ought to change their Constitution at that church. But he said the pastor hired someone without consulting the personnel committee. That's why you ought not have committees. And he said these two deacons are mad at the pastor and they're trying to get rid of him. 
Not because he's preaching false doctrine. Not because he was mean to them. But because they didn't ask, he didn't ask their approval when he did something. Now again, maybe that's in their constitution. If it's in their constitution, he should have done it. I get that. But that's where we're at in our churches today. Folks trying to undermine the authority and the oversight of the pastor. You know what? That that ought to bring about some church discipline. It should. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination. You know what the seventh one is? That's an abomination. What's the seventh one? He that soweth discord among the brethren. The Bible says that's an abomination. And so there at that church, you have two men who are sowing discord among the brethren. By the way, if they have a problem with the pastor, they ought to go to the pastor and get it right and get it fixed and go forward instead of stirring up the whole congregation. That is sowing discord among the brethren. And that's what the Apostle Paul is dealing with in 1 Corinthians 5. And he says there in verse number 7, he said, look, our Passover, the Lord Jesus Christ died for us. And in that Passover, in Exodus chapter number 12, they weren't supposed to have any leaven. And he said, church in Corinth, get rid of the leaven. Your Passover has died for you. He has some expectations for us. He expects us to get the leaven. He expects us to get the sin out of our church. By the way, if we get more sin out of our church, the church, I believe, would explode. The Passover. The Passover. By the way, in John chapter number 1, when John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ, what did he call Him? He said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Number one, the plan, but number two, the Passover. And the Passover in Exodus chapter number 12 was just a wonderful picture of the perfect Passover that would come, that was to come. And by the way, Moses knew that. We talked about that Sunday. Moses understood that. The Passover. First of all, we see the purity of the Passover lamb. We see the proving of the Passover lamb. And we see the payment of the Passover lamb. Look with me if you would at Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 5. We see the purity of the Passover lamb. The Bible says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, the purity of the Passover lamb. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 21. Let me get there real quickly if I could. Chapter number 5 and verse 21. It says, For He hath made Him, speaking of Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. Who, what? Anybody know? knew no sin. He was perfect. He was righteous that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, the purity of the Passover lamb. It says, Your lamb shall be without blemish, 
a male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Secondly, we see the proving of the lamb. The Bible says you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. The Bible says in John chapter number 18, without going there, Jesus Christ comes before Pilate. And what does Pilate say? He says, look, I can't find anything amiss with this gentleman. I can't find anything amiss with this man. He hasn't done anything. Pilate's having dreams. Pilate's washing his, washing his hands of the blood of Jesus Christ. Christ, because he knows this man is innocent. The purity of the Passover lamb, the proving of the Passover lamb. And thirdly, the payment of the Passover lamb. Exodus chapter number 12, again, we read it just a moment ago. Look at verse number 12. Exodus chapter number 12, verse number 12. In Hebrews chapter 11, Verse number 28, Moses understood this was a life or death proposition. I don't want the death angel to touch the people of God. It was life or death. And the payment was made by that lamb for every household. They were to take the lamb or maybe a few households together would take the lamb and they would kill it and then they would take that blood and put it on the doorpost. The blood saved them. Look at verse number 12. The blood saved them from the judgment that was to be executed. The Bible says in Exodus 12 verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And notice this, And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. There will be a day when God Almighty will execute, excuse me, execute judgment against all of the gods that people have placed in their lives. Maybe it's the God of baptism. Maybe it's the God of church membership. Maybe it's the God of last rites. Maybe it's the God of transubstantiation. Maybe it's the God of good works. Maybe it's the God of, well, my mom and dad were good Christians, so I must be a good Christian. And all the little gods that we put in our lives, there will be a day when God Almighty will execute judgment against all those gods. Here, God is executing judgment against all of the myriad of gods in Egypt. But, if you had the blood, He would pass over. Verse 13, In the blood shall be a token, excuse me, shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, He doesn't say when I see your baptism. He doesn't say when I see your church membership. He doesn't say when I see how good of a dad you are. He doesn't say when I see how much money you've put in the offering plate. He doesn't say when I see how many years you served me. That's not what it says. It says that when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Don't miss this tonight. Don't miss this. Israel wasn't saved just because they were Israel. Now we read in chapter number 11, he said, look, not even a dog is going to wag its tongue against Israel. But they weren't saved just because they were Israel. They were saved by the blood. They were saved, and by the way, it wasn't just Israel, Israelites that were saved either. 
The Bible tells us in chapter, or, or, or excuse me, let me find it real quickly. In this chapter, look at verse number 37. I believe with all my heart that this is saying either, either these, I can't believe that these were servants of the Israelites because they were slaves. This tells me that there were some Egyptians that said, hey, enough. We believe. We're going to have faith in your God. Not in Ra, but in your God, Jehovah. And the Bible says in verse number 37, And the children of Israel journeyed. This is, this is after the death angel has come. And, and Pharaoh says, Leave! Go! They've spoiled the Egyptians. The Egyptians ha, ha, have given them. The Bible says in verse number 36, And they spoiled the Egyptians. And the children of Israel excuse me, journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. About 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. Notice verse 38. And a what? What's the word there? Mixed. Multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. You may disagree with me on that, on this, but I believe that there were Egyptians who put the blood on the doorpost. You see, Israel wasn't just saved because they were Israel. And dear friend, tonight you're not going to be saved just because you're an American, or just because you've been a member of Maranatha Baptist Church for four decades. Or just because your mom and dad, or your mom or your dad, or both teach a Sunday school class. No, 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 we're all saved the same way. It's by the blood of Christ. There was a proving, there was a purity, but there was a payment. Blood saved them from the judgment that was to be executed. Number one, the plan. Number two, the Passover. Number three, the people. The people who were saved, the people who were not touched, the people. Look, if you would, at verse 21. God has given Moses the directive. In verse number 21, He comes to the people. The people who were delivered. The plan, the Passover, the people. They were saved. They were delivered. They were not touched by the death angel. Verse 21, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Draw out. And take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? This isn't the message tonight. But dear friend, tonight your kids ought to know that you're saved. Your kids ought to know that there was a Passover time in your life where the, where, where the lamb was slain and the blood was sprinkled on your life. They ought to know that. And the Bible says you're, you're, to, you're, you're to keep, Moses said, we're, we're going to keep this, you're to keep this. In verse number 14 he says, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generation. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. In verse 26, And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? 
that ye shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away. Notice this. They went away nine times. It's happened nine times and Pharaoh hasn't capitulated yet. The children of Israel went away. And what's the next word? Did. And did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So did they. And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. By the way, rightly so. Right? Isn't that what a parent should do? For there was not a house where there was not one dead. He called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as ye have said. Also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone and bless me also. By the way, here's another little time out. Right here in Exodus chapter number 12, right here in this little section, it proves to us you don't have to compromise with the enemy. Time after time after time, Pharaoh said, okay, three days journey, uh, just the men go. Oh, okay, you can take some of the animals. Oh, okay, everything but the children. And every single time Moses said, uh-uh, we're all going. Pharaoh, I'm not compromising with you. Proves to us, right, you don't have to compromise with the enemy. He says in verse 32, and also... Take your flocks and your herds as ye have said and be gone and bless me also. I love that as ye have said. Moses said, "Uh uh-uh. What did he say? He said, there's not going to be a what left behind. There's not going to be a hoof left behind. He said, when we go, we're going all. And he says in verse number 32, Pharaoh said, also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste for they said, we be all dead men. The people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptians. Notice verse 42. It is a night to be much what? Observed. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. Listen, dear friend, you may not know the exact date when you got saved. You may not know that. I didn't know it for a long time. I went back several years ago. I went back. I knew the year, I knew the month, and I knew the week. And I went back and I found the date. You may not know that. But you ought to remember the time because it ought to be a night that's much observed in your life. It ought to be a time that you remember often in your life. You think the nation of Israel were going to forget? Now, now they did forget, didn't they? And we do too. But he says in verse 42, it is a night to be much observed. The plan, the Passover, the people... 
By faith, let me give you these four things quickly about the people and we'll be done. By faith, they applied. They applied the blood. They, applied by, they did it by faith. Moses, nothing has worked yet. But by faith, they applied the blood. By faith, they worshipped. Verse number 27. The Bible says the last part of verse 27, and the people bowed the head and what? Worshipped. By faith they applied. By faith they worshipped. By faith they were delivered. And then by faith they remembered. Verse 14, verse 42, several verses in Exodus chapter number 12. The plan, a lamb would be slain, the blood would be sprinkled, the untouchables would be saved. The Passover, a pure Passover, approved Passover, a Passover that paid the price for every single one of us tonight. And the price was His pure, His life's blood. The people, they applied, they worshipped, they were delivered, and they remembered I know you may not think about it every day, but dear friend, God help us not to lose the joy and excitement of the day that God saved us. Think about some of the kings in the nation of Israel. When they had revival, what was the one of the first things they reinstituted? It was the Passover. It's one of the first things. They, 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 they found the book and they, they, they found all these things they were supposed to be doing. And one of the first things they did, we need to have the Passover again. Because it was a night to be much observed. So let me ask you a couple of questions tonight. And I'm going to ask Miss Pam to come to the piano. First of all tonight, has there ever been a time when you've had the blood applied? Has there ever been a time when by, by simple faith and repentance you've come to Jesus Christ as, as Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the Bible says that at that moment the blood is applied to my life. My sins are forgiven. They're washed away. They're forgiven as far as the east is from the west and we know the east never meets the west. They're forever forgiven. So number one tonight... Has the blood been applied? Number two tonight, if it has, when's the last time you thanked God for it? When's the last time you just took a moment? Maybe in the car on the way to work, maybe, maybe in your morning or evening devotions, whenever you, you, you have your time with the Lord, or, or, or whenever. Was ever, whenever. When was the last time that you thanked the Lord for your salvation? There are a couple men that come to our prayer time at 9.20 on Sunday morning. And almost every time, not every time, but almost every time, one of the first things they start with, because I listen, it's a small room in there. One of the first things they start with, Lord, thank you for your salvation. That encourages my heart. Because that's why we're here on Sunday morning. That's why we're here at all is because a bunch of untouchables have become untouchable. If you've got the blood applied, the devil can't touch you. That doesn't mean you can't sin. That doesn't mean he can't tempt. But he can't take you to hell. Death has no hold on you anymore. The grave has no hold on you anymore. Hell has no hold on you anymore. The three of them, they can't touch you anymore. 
because you are protected and you are covered. The blood is on the doorpost. And if that's you tonight, you ought to thank God for it. Father, we love you tonight. We're grateful for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Father, thank you for a man who had an urgency. Lest the one who had destroyed them would touch his people, would touch Israel. And Father, I'm thankful that when the blood is applied, death, hell, and the grave can no longer touch us. Father, if there would be one here tonight that has never had the blood applied, I pray that tonight would be their night. Father, for those of us who have, may it be an opportunity just in the quietness of the moment to say, Lord, thank you. Forgive me for being so callous about it. Forgive me for not being grateful, not speaking about it. Forgive me for not even telling my children when I got saved, when the blood was applied to my life. Father, help us as we do business with you tonight. May we do business with you tonight. If you've dealt with us, Father, may we surely move and respond to how you've dealt with it in our hearts already tonight. Help us, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you would, if you're physically able, if you'll stand with heads bowed and eyes closed, Miss Pam's going to begin to play. Friend, if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, you need to come. Believer, you know Christ. Was the last time you thanked Him? Was the last time you bent the knee? Was the last time you've thought about that time? You may not remember the exact date, but you can remember the time. You can remember maybe the service. Maybe you can remember a time at home. Maybe you, your mom or your dad led you to Christ. Dear friend, I know just about everyone in here tonight gives a testimony of knowing Christ and I'm, I'm beyond grateful for that tonight. But a testimony may or may not be truth. You know the truth and God Almighty knows the truth. You know whether you've come to the Lord Jesus Christ with a genuine heart or not and so does He. And we can give a testimony all day long. I, I can remember in the third grade I was in the fourth grade but I can remember in the third grade our teacher asking all the students to give a testimony about their salvation and I gave a testimony about when I was five years old and I walked down the aisle and in my heart the whole time I'm giving that testimony I knew in my heart that I wasn't saved you and God know I I don't we don't know your heart God does you do. When the untouchables became untouchable, people can mock and scoff and say, We have a bloody religion. Dear friend, tonight it's only the blood that can save. Romans chapter 3 says that it is faith in that blood. Romans chapter 3, verses 24 through 26. Read it tonight. It's faith in that blood.
The ransomed church of God. That's what the song says and that's who we are, isn't it? We're ransomed. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we're going to pray and be dismissed. I want to encourage you to stay and pray. It's five after. If you need to go, I totally understand. But we're going to pray and then we're going to meet right back here at 8.15 and start our business meeting. So we're going to pray and be dismissed and then let's pray and then at 8.15 we'll start our business meeting. It'll be short. It's just financial statement. 8.15, okay? Father, we love you tonight. Help us. Hear us. Incline your ear toward us tonight and we'll surely thank you for it. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.